You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to today's uh, MWCR podcast. Uh, week four, I believe, we're going into the season. That is correct. As always. That is correct. That's Matt Kennerly there. I'm Jeremy Moss, and conference play is um, creeping up on us. We got some conference games this week. Yeah, we got more. You know, we had one last week. It was a very interesting game. This week's slate promises to have a little bit of fireworks. I think. That's right. Check us out mwcy.com, Facebook. We're we're trying on Facebook, folks. We need your help. <laughs> Come to our Facebook page, mwcy. Same thing on Twitter. If you want some. Uh, I will say um, rational takes on Josh Allen. I think that's fair to say. Bowl predictions, uh, projections, predictions, whatever. Quarterback rankings. If people like to yell at me of where I have uh, the combo of uh, Cozart and Rippin' Ranked, come yell at me. But most importantly, it's week four. Right? Yes, it is. I don't know. I tried. To, I tried to say something dramatic, but I'm like, I got nothing. That's always the most important thing. That's is that there's more football on the horizon. There's more football, but fewer games, which means this show probably and probably it should not be 95 minutes long, right? That's yeah. You would hope, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, hope's the optimal word there. Um, really, we're, we're we're gonna deep we're gonna deep dive into Utah State San Jose State at some no, point. I'm sure. No, I do have some news about that game. The Mercury News actually had somebody write two articles on the Spartans this week. Oh, two, huh? And I did notice um, former Spartans beat writer uh, Jimmy Durkin, who now does a million things. He's now at the Athletic doing stuff there, so good for him. But he's only doing, like, NFL and Giants and A stuff, so it's like, okay, cool, but still. Give us Spartans talk. If you want us to give you money, give us Spartans talk, right? At least a little bit, you would think. Or you can you can uh, donate to our Patreon instead. Boom! And help help us continue giving you Spartans fans, maybe you know those outside of San Jose, even help us give you more coverage of San Jose State. Yeah, we got Anna there. We got Ryan. Anna goes to every home game, so we'll be at the game this weekend when they take on Utah State. So give her a follow at Twitter. Uh, was it Anna Kiu K I E U? Is that correct? I think that is that is correct. I didn't know if there's an underscore in there. That's why I was hesitant to just continue with that. Really quick, um, did you happen to glance over yeah, my good. Josh Allen piece? About my Josh Allen piece at all? Did you happen to uh, peruse that? I did. What did you think? Was it too much? Not enough? I think it's fair. Because, you know, the players never bring draft hype upon themselves. It always comes from somewhere. And... You know, like, I mean, you and I on some level are, are kind of like pundits as well. But, you know, maybe we should have taken a broader view of the kind of situation he was stepping into this year before we got carried away with ourselves and had to backtrack and maybe say, okay, you know, maybe he needs more time to see what he can actually do this year. You know, he hasn't looked good through three weeks. Josh Holland hasn't. But there's still a long way to go, and he still has the tools. Those haven't gone anywhere, and it's going to be, you know, kind of interesting to see how it shakes out 
going forward. I just find it surprising that, yeah, yes, I wrote about the piece and everything about, oh, he didn't want the hype. But then again, I still like, it's like the NBA. There's always the bingo or drinking drinking game for the draft about how many times will Andy Katz or whoever, Charles Barkley or Kenny Smith say upside throughout mm-hmm. the draft. That's the big thing about NBA. Oh, this kid's 18 or 19, one and done player from Kentucky, UNLV, Cal, USC, wherever. Upside. People are still enamored just because he's a big, big guy and he can make some throws and is reasonably mobile and he plays in a pro style offense. I, I, I'm still. I was shocked last year when the hype came out, and I'm still shocked now that people like Matt Miller. Because I found his original tweet from last year saying he's a top three guy before he even declared, and then he still has Allen as the number two quarterback overall and number was it number five in his rank overall rankings? I believe it is. I believe you said it was number three. I don't understand why. He's, okay, yeah, number there it is. I was looking through number three. I just don't see like. I know teams are quarterback hungry in the NFL, and I'm not to say to know what Allen can do at college to the NFL. And I mentioned a million times in the offseason, be careful. They may not make a bowl game. They lose all these receivers. They lose all these guys to the NFL. Like, Chase really is a key contributor for the Redskins offensive line. Brian Hill's in the NFL. Gentry's with the Bears. And the Bears are down, or injuries that help him get a spot. But even when those players are there, he still wasn't completing all these passes. So my, my takeaway... Main thing was is like, first off, don't crush him just because he's playing poorly because his perceived expectation is a top five player in the draft. But also look at what he's doing. He's not playing well. And when he plays against teams with decent defenses, he doesn't play well at all. And I don't see how NFL scouts or GMs are going to go back and look at their Oregon tape. Yes, people DM'd me or messaged me on Twitter. Oh, they went to the running game because they were down big. Well, first of all, they don't have a running game. And second of all, going 9 of 24 for 64 yards to get to Oregon defense that let Nebraska score 35 on him. I'm just not sold that he's that good of a quarterback, that he should be a top five pick, but teams reach. And so, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about that for a second because we have fewer games. So, I mean, what I would say about it is that yeah, the first three games didn't look pretty, but he's still got nine more to go. And when you really think about it, can you think of another quarterback in the group of five that has the same just raw arm strength that he does? Uh, Brent Stockstill, Middle Tennessee State, uh, Logan Woodside, perhaps at Toledo. Those are. I mean, I've seen those guys play a few times. I don't know that that's the case. Like I, I, you know. He's not draft eligible for another couple of years. I saw Armani Rogers make a couple of throws like Josh Allen. But I feel like among his closest contemporaries, you know, the raw tools still haven't gone anywhere. And if you've watched him closely, like you can still see him trying to make plays. Like he still has the mobility. He still has the arm strength. It's just a matter of, you know, finding more discipline and maybe that will come as a result of you know an offensive line that you know i think we've neglected to mention it in past recaps and previews but you know they skew very young along that offensive line and maybe that's part of a problem that you know he didn't always have last year to me i think that might be the bigger concern and also the lack of a running game that has really put a lot more on his shoulders than i think a lot of cowboys fans anticipated 
I think his wide receivers are fine. Like I think that you know James Price once he's healthy will be pretty good, and we know that Austin Conway can make plays down the field. But you know I think we know enough about Josh Allen to know that he's not the kind of quarterback that can do it all by himself. At least not at this point. The, maybe that's what we're getting at because I might like I talked with uh, James Motel the draft breakdown. And I think he does a, what USA Draft Wire. I chatted with him during a preseason show. Like, here's some draft stuff. Because I brought up the question. I'm like, because if you're good at if you're good, NFL finds you. It doesn't matter if you're a JUCO D3. They're picking up guys who played American football in Europe. Mm-hmm. And we're and we're not going to make this a draft show, but this is kind of the final point here. If you're an offensive lineman, you can be on a team that's 0 12, but be a first round pick or a second round pick or be drafted at all. If you're a running back that on a bad team. Basically, if you're a player that's on a bad team, but you play well, you'll be found. However, my kind of not to go against the grain a little bit, but if you're on a bad team and you're a quarterback, that says the more, I think that says more about the player than it does the team itself, and probably should hurt your draft stock if you can't. Again, not nine of twenty-four versus Oregon. How if you're a good quarterback, you got to make plays, and he's not making plays. Well, I would say give it time. But, the, but he's going to play against lesser competition. That's the thing. Yeah, he could line up New Mexico, UNLV, Hawaii, Air Force's defense, New Mexico. Or I already said them, but possibly. Boise State will be a tough ta- challenge. He'll line up Utah State. I don't care if he goes 24-30 for 350 and three touchdowns versus Utah State. I want to see what he does against San Diego State or Iowa or Boise State. I, it's just, I may, am, I, am I being too hard on him to actually be a decent quarterback? Because right now he's not good. At least when you look at his numbers, and numbers are a big deal with quarterback. I know it's—I don't know. It's just—I am I being too hard? You think on him of saying he shouldn't be this considered this good? I mean, I think we've talked about it a little bit, and I think I would—you know—if I had to answer yes or no, I would probably say yes, because you're talking about an offense as a whole that right now ranks 124th in the country <laughs> in yards per play. So it's not the Ouch. so Josh Allen is not the only one that's had an incredibly disappointing September so far, and I get that. I don't know. I'm just looking at Todd real quick. We'll wrap on Todd McShay has his recent uh, as of this morning, uh, Wednesday morning, his top 32 players overall. He has Josh Allen number two behind only Sam Darnold, and it's your points exactly, which people say his arm strength, he can make most throws, and he's six five two thirty. That's all. That's that's a lot. Like you got to. Jamarcus Russell was a big arm and a big quarterback. He flamed out in like two years in the NFL. I think that a you know in college, I believe Jamarcus Russell was more accurate than Josh Allen was. But yes, he was. I think what I want to see is you know you saw a similar kind of split between Allen's production in non-conference play versus conference play last year, and that same split was also evident in the offense as a whole between non-conference play and conference play. So we could talk about this more when we start talking about the Hawaii game coming up this week. Last year, they averaged about 6.3 yards of play in conference play. I think if, if I'm a believer in Josh Allen, I want to see that number go up going forward. But we'll talk more about that when we get into the previous. All right, let's do that now. But also, if you want to check out the piece, it's mwcwire.com. I think I'm reasonably fair, but my main point in the article was that don't blame him because he's not playing up to a top five draft pick because Wyoming's not doing great and he's not doing great either. But let's do this. Since we have a Friday game, should we just go, let's just jump into that Hawaii game since we're already talking Josh Allen and Wyoming, kind of go a little 
not in order what we normally do? Yeah, why not? All right, Hawaii goes to Wyoming. It's a 8.15, a local time, ESPN2. Hey, bonus money for everybody. And really quick, uh, since I always get it wrong, what's the name of the trophy? Because I can never remember. It is the Peniolo Trophy. The Hawaiian Cowboy Trophy, right? Yes. I still say that's the best trophy, that and John Bridger's, or is it Jim Bridger's rifle when Utah State plays Wyoming. So whenever it's a firearm, the can- I know you're going to say the cannon. You got the cannon, of course. I was going to say, let's not badmouth the, the cannon now. I'm just saying a rifle, that's pretty cool. But the Hawaiian uh, Cowboys, great too. So it's ESPN2. Uh, Wyoming's a six-point favorite. <sighs> I don't know about that, man. I, I like Hawaii in this matchup. Hawaii has a complete offense, a decent defense, and but then again, this will be the probably outside of Gardner Webb, a defense that Josh Allen probably should have some success against. So, where do you think is the biggest mismatch in this game? Let's start with that. I would say um, that's a good question. You put it in my spot like that. Um, let's see. Uh, well, it's going to be Wyoming. Well, Wyoming's offense is good too. You got a good matchup. Like you got John Osura maybe going up against Andrew Wingard in this game. You have Logan Wilson going to go up against like the running running attack for Hawaii. I would say it would be something with Hawaii's defense versus Wyoming's offense. That has to be because the other flip side of the ball, Hawaii's offense versus Wyoming's defense is pretty comparable, I would say. So I'd go Hawaii's running game versus Wyoming's running game on offense, maybe? I mean, that's an interesting point. <laughs> you can say you can say wrong if you want. No, I'm not going to say I'm it's just wrong. Saying, I th- I'm just saying their running game is so terrible, any defense would be adva- a mismatch against Wyoming's running attack until further notice. I mean, I think that – I mean, because like I just talked about, you know, Josh Allen is not the only one that's having a bad September. And what I'm really interested in seeing is, you know, Trey Woods in the first couple of games has – started getting a little more action out of the backfield. You're talking about a true freshman who I didn't realize he was 6'3 and 210 pounds. There you go. But, you know, he had, you know, maybe limited success against both Gardner-Webb and Oregon. But, you know, is this his time to step up and shine? You know, is he the kind of guy who can, you know, give the offense what Brian Hill did for the past few years? And it's really interesting that, I remember last week, you know, running back was the only one listed with three players on the two deep. Now Woods is second on that list behind Milo Hall. So I'm really interested to see just how much Craig Bull decides to kind of let him loose against this Hawaii front seven. Because they've been pretty decent so far, I think, in regards to stopping the run. If I were a Wyoming fan, I think that this is probably the place where, you know, if Josh Allen is going to prove his bona fides, you know, we just saw this Hawaii secondary get torn to shreds by Josh Rosen a week ago. If Allen wants to be that's wants to be considered that same caliber of quarterback, this is his time to do it. Yeah, you would think that's that's a good point there because Rosen put up um, trying to pull it up here really quick. But he had, what, four touchdown passes in that game, I believe? Yeah, I believe so. And Hawaii, overall, they are dead last in Mountain West in total yards. 
They gave up, uh, yeah, he had five touchdowns, completed 82% of his passes. Here's the thing. They allowed not just 373 versus Josh Rosen, 270, whoever Western Carolina's quarterback was. And when they played UMass week one, 300 yards and almost nine yards at pass attempt against. Mm-hmm. They're completing two or three passes against the secondary. So maybe, like, I could, I probably, if I were more confident in Josh Allen at the moment, this probably would be the area where I'd say, oh, yeah, he'll take advantage of this. Maybe I would say this is more likely of this being a mismatch than say Hawaii's front seven stopping the running game. But I think that's both. I'd say they're fairly equal because again, Wyoming's rushing attack bad, very bad. And that's the problem until they find whoever, because they have over overstreet as the last running, the third running back. Now they only have, they're only average two and a half yards per carry, which is what worse in the country. I want to say, it's something like last, that, yeah. Last in the conference for sure. So I, I'll still stick for me. I will still still stay. The running game of Wyoming is a very un, overmatched against uh, Hawaii's uh, front seven or linebacking group. And again, yeah, they are actually not last. They are. Hold on, I want to find out exactly because I would like to know those things. Oh, I'm at rush defense. Never mind. Let's move on to another topic of this game. So with this, let me ask you this: It's been a road game. Are you surprised that Wyoming is favored by touchdown? I mean, not necessarily. Um, I think maybe there's still a little bit of national credibility on Josh Allen's part. One thing I also think might help their cause is the fact that, you know, yes, they've they struggled against both Iowa and Oregon, but they've maintained their propensity for forcing turnovers too. And I think that that's another... Thing to watch in this game because you know Drew Brown has been pretty solid all things considered but mm-hmm. you know he has four interceptions thus far and I think you know and he has a fumble that you know he didn't lose it but he still fumbled the ball on one of his seven carries so I think that if Wyoming can continue to you know create opportunities for its offense you know Hawaii hasn't been that great at stopping teams once they get past midfield. On defense, they're only 111th in points per trip inside the 40. You know, whether Wyoming can actually take advantage of that, though, is, you know, an entire other question because they, on offense, rank 103rd in that same category. But I think that if it comes down to that, if Wyoming can win the turnover battle, that, I think, is probably the biggest X factor in this game beyond, you know, Josh Allen versus the secondary. All right. So as of this recording, 22 minutes ago, I went to the uh, Trib.com, mm-hmm. Casper Star Tribune. Most recent article written by Brandon Foster, Wyoming secondary looks to force more turnovers after being tested by Oregon. There you go. So they're talking about, even though they have a pick in every game, they've had some drop passes. Their article goes on to talk about how they're making their, their schemes working well. They just got to basically complete the play because last year they had at least i don't remember how many but a couple not just interceptions but defensive touchdowns off pick sixes it's hard to replicate that but it seems like they're doing okay they're just not getting the interceptions they're just getting pass breakups instead and so that looks like to be an emphasis this week so we'll, we'll see how that goes in drew like I said, drew brown can throw the ball throw it up they're gonna throw a lot too with john asura dylan collie I want to see. I want to see what John Ursur, Ursur, ah, ah, John Ursura does against the secondary because he missed. He had the ankle issue a couple weeks ago. They're coming off the bye game. 
he is by far would you say he's maybe the best receiver in the conference right now for at least statistically for what he's been catching and doing through a couple of games i mean a lot of that i think is dependent on you know having one big game against a pretty lousy umass team uh so i'm not gonna say sure. i'm not gonna say yes but i am gonna say he's in the conversation probably let's put it that way he put up how much what did he do versus ucla he did pretty well yeah but he also missed the one game so can he actually be the best receiver in the conference if he hasn't played every game let's not forget about michael gallup after all i'm just saying i'm saying i said numbers wise to 10 touchdowns 200 plus yards or you got Devonte boyd or you have like billy gate Gaither of San Jose has four touchdowns. That's not bad either. Mm-hmm. I just think I if here's what's going to come down to this game. I think Hawaii's offense might struggle a little bit, but with them being balanced, like Dyson May St. Juiced and the passing game, they'll be fine. Like they'll move the ball one way or another. It may not be explosive, but I'm thinking Wyoming's offense will have some, some say in how this game ends, ends up being because UMass isn't very good, and they put up, what was it, 35 points against uh, – Hawaii, they allowed. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, they scored against Hawaii. I'm pretty sure Wyoming's offense is better than UMass. I'm, but I'm thinking this will be the biggest test they've had. Oh, we got UCLA, but it should be a big test. Like, if it's going to come down to Wyoming being victorious, they're going to have to move the ball, and they're going to have some chances to, to do so against this defense. But I might pick Hawaii to win this one. Am I crazy to pick Hawaii to win outright? I don't think so. Here's one here's one more thing that we haven't mentioned yet. What do you got? Did you realize that Hawaii is fourth in the country in sacks? I did not. That's pretty good, right? Number four overall? The, is it per game or per wait wait. Per game or total? Total. Okay. You, they got the extra game in there, you know that, if you're being nitpicky. Okay, well if you want to go by sa- <laughs> if you want to go by sacks per game, they're sixth. Okay. So very very well. So for as bad as the secondary has looked in the early going it's also worth noting that their front seven, and especially you know a guy like Jelani Tavai, who's been doing basically everything, you know he has a couple of sacks and like five run stuffs according to Football Study Hall. You know he's a guy who's been all over the place. You know, and but you know he's not the only one that has a couple of sacks. David Manoa's been really good up the middle. You know Jeremiah Pritchard playing linebacker right next to Tavai also has two sacks. So it's not just one guy that they're going to have to worry about in this front seven. And it's going to be really interesting to see whether this offensive line can hold up against that kind of attack. Well, also, if you look at it, I was looking at Sack Slot, or not Hawaii, but Wyoming's only given up five through the whole season. It's about middle of the pack, or top third, I would say. But then again, you got Josh Allen, who runs around and evades sacks. So I guarantee there'll be a lot of QB hurries, but I'm not sure how many sacks there'll be. And... If you got QB hurries, Josh Allen on the run, he likes to gunsling it. That could be interception town. I guess we'll see. What's your pick? I have Hawaii in this game. Oh, me too. I got the Warriors outright. I mean, I think it'll be a close game, but, you know, Hawaii has not looked terrible in any of its games so far. Like, yeah, there are some questions in the secondary, but... It's still, to me, an open question as to whether Wyoming at this point is the kind of team that could take advantage of that. So I'm kind of expecting a back-and-forth battle. I'm expecting it to be within one score, but I'm going to say Hawaii 30, Wyoming 24. All right, I'll go uh, 30 to – I'll say Wyoming covers like 30 to 27. All right. And 
not to say I'm going to be right, but Wyoming's bull chances are getting a lot slimmer after this loss. Potential loss, I'll say. All right, now let's stick on Saturday. We'll get to that Friday game later on just because it's Friday and maybe people listening in Friday night. So we'll get to that Boise game last, Is that if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's just work our way backwards. Well, no, well, sure. We'll go San Diego State Air Force, I guess, is that's where we're going backwards. All right. Game of Is this the game of the week? It kind of has to be, doesn't it? Definitely. Number 22 ranked San Diego State, 3-0, taking on 1-1 one Air Force, CBS Sports Network. Also, hey, um, if you have DirecTV now, you might be able to get CBS Sports Network in the near future, so check that out. I just saw some news on that today. Very nice. For us uh, Mountain West folks, you got what, Hulu, DirecTV Now potentially. What's the other one? YouTube TV if you're at, in some one of the markets. But this game is a three-point favorite by the Aztecs. Mm-hmm. Kind of low in my opinion. Really? Just because I think a little low. That's interesting. You think it's too much? I No, I think it's... It's a, it's a little bit closer than I anticipated for as good as San Diego State has looked in the first three games. I was thinking about five. That would have been fine for me. But three, that's just a field goal, man. Let me ask you this. So, um, would you – we didn't discuss this in the pre-recap uh, because I don't know why we didn't, but I was doing my quarterback rankings this week. Mm-hmm. That game against Stanford, despite the yardage being a little bit low for Christian Chapman – that was by far his best game ever as a quarterback, I would say. I don't disagree. He had the most completions, most uh, attempts. I think it was his second highest passing percentage against a FBS school. And the other one was, I think, that Cincinnati Bowl game. And it was like a 0.2% difference. So basically his best percentage game ever. And that made good passes. He had the touchdown at late in the game to David Wells, who bulldozed in the end zone. Hey, I said it, Mike, Michael Holder had a big game as well. Maybe because he's playing against his twin brother. But he's, what I put him in the ranking, top four quarterback. Right there with Drew Brown, Josh Allen, Nick Stevens, and wherever you want to put Boise quarterbacks. But if you look what Michigan, here's the thing. Air Force played Michigan last week. Air Force's defense is really good. Well, or conversely, should, could we say Michigan's offense is bad? Which way should we take this? Um, I mean, if it were me, it seemed like Michigan was having the same kind of red zone issues that they did the week before against Cincinnati. I think there's a, okay. I think there's a little bit of truth to both statements. There has to be, because you can't give all the credit or blame to either team. But then again, I would say Aztecs offense is better than whatever Michigan trots out there. Yeah, that's probably true, too. It's probably not even close, if you think about it. Not to compare at the moment, but let's see. Aztecs are a what, top 20 rushing team. We got Michigan, who's way, way, as I type in right now, way down at 42. Not too bad. But here's the thing. Aztecs, they finish <laughs> – shut up. They finish drives <laughs> in their games. Like, compared to what Michigan did, they don't do it. Aztecs will take a – what they'd run? Was it 42 plays versus Stanford? It was something extremely low like that, yeah. And Rocky Long talks about we don't need to run 100 plays because it screws with your defense. Here's the thing. the main Here's what this game really, really comes down to if you think about it is that can Aztecs stop the um, run option attack? That's what it always comes down to when you play Air Force. I mean, it sounds cliche, but it's kind of true. And, I mean, this isn't a, a matchup that we've seen really since the 2015 championship game. 
But, you know, for as good as San Diego State's defense was that year defending the run, you know, if you go back and look at the game log from 2015, on the year they gave up only about 3.1 yards per carry. But in that championship game, they gave up 6.6 yards per carry. And, you know, the year before that, when they played in the regular season, they, you know, they were able to clamp down on them at that point. So they have had some success in the past, or rather in the past, against this triple option defense. But, you know, whether they can keep it up is always kind of an open question, no matter what kind of defense you're up against. It's true. And the main thing when you ever see this offense is that don't give up the huge plays. Like, if they give up five yards per carry against Air Force, but every run is three to, tw- three to 12 yards, I think they'll live with that. They just don't want to have that 58-yard, 48-yard touchdown run against you or the big plays. And also, there's a reason late in the game against Michigan, Air Force brought in Nate Romine. Arian Worthman's not the best passer. And so if Air Force happens to be in a situation like they were versus Michigan – late in the gate, second half, third and long, second long, obvious passing situations. That's what Asics need to do. So if they can give up, like I said, even if it's five yards per carry, but have them be second and eight, third and five or longer, there's Air Force is not going to be successful. Air Force needs to move the ball like they we know they can and get five, six, seven, eight yards per carry with big plays mixed in. But I don't know if they, do they really have that great running back to do that? I know Worthman, will do well, and he ran, what, 25 times last week? But I know you got Tim McVay, but is there anybody else really? Or do you really trust Tim McVay to be that guy? I mean, I would. The bigger question that we I don't know that we still have an answer for is, you know, how effective are the fullbacks going to be? Because they didn't really need Parker Wilson against VMI in the opener. And, you know, they basically had zero success running between the tackles against Michigan. And stop trying, too. Yeah. And so it's going to be really interesting to see because, you know, San Diego State, obviously, they run the 3-3-5, and they do have, you know, three quality guys up front, like Noble Hall. We haven't really talked about him much in the in previews, but he's had a pretty great season so far. And, you know, they have Sergio Phillips in the middle of that defense. But those guys physically aren't as big as the guys that Michigan was putting up in their front seven. You know, there's a little more of a level playing field, I think. But, you know, whoever wins that matchup along the lines, I think, is going to have a huge advantage in this game. You know, if it turns out more like, you know, the 2015 game where it was a really back and forth struggle because Air Force was able to chew up yardage five yards at a time. Or if it's going to be more like those regular season matchups from the years before that where they were able to clamp down and really keep the Falcons at arm's length. You know, I think, you know, you look at the guys on the left-hand side of the Air Force, you know, offensive line, Jake Barnhorst, Ryan Beveridge. Those two guys versus Noble Hall and Sergio Phillips might decide the game. So let me ask you this about that defense for uh, or San Diego State. Because you got the uh, triple option or run option for Air Force. Are they going to, because you, well, try to put this the right way. You don't have enough same amount of big guys up front because it's not a traditional 4-3 or 3-4. You have another guy, the hybrid guy. Do you think that's any sort of disadvantage, or is it because they have more speed, they'll be fine chasing down McVay or Will Parker or, Ro- or um, Worthman or, heck, even Roman if he gets into the game? Or do, would it be beneficial if, say, Rocky Long 
puts up an extra offensive lineman in this game at all to counter that uh, rushing attack? That's a really great question because at least on the stat sheet, you know, Parker Baldwin's obviously been playing really well, but if you look at the numbers, he's been relatively quiet. I think what he's been able to do is enable, you know, the linebackers especially to go and make plays. So, you know, if he plays a little bit closer to the line in general, you know, I think his presence there is going to open up, you know, the guys, you know, Ron Lakalaka, for instance, to make plays or, you know, someone like Troy Cassidy, who's, you know, stepped into the starting lineup and played pretty well, I think. I think, you know, he's someone that Air Force always has to kind of scheme for. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that relates to, you know, who ends up stepping up to make plays in that San Diego State, not necessarily a front seven, but a front six. One thing I was going to say, I just thought of right now, reading through the kind of some recaps of the game, and remember the game itself. Michigan has a lot of speed. Mm-hmm. Air Force couldn't go left or right with McVeigh. Maybe it would be the best uh, position for the Rocky, the Rocky Long defense to go. Don't bring an extra lineman. Stick with your defense, which not that he needs to change because what's what he's going up against, but have the speed and shut down Air Force at the edges. And then he'll force Air Force to maybe run the fullback dive more often because, yeah, the while the Aztec defense is good, they the size is not quite the same as Michigan, even though I would say the Aztec defense is comparable to Michigan. They're just a size thing, and it might be they might have a little more success moving up the middle, like off tackle or even fullback dive. So I think you just take speed out there and force them to go with the middle because you're just as good. I mean, and it kind of goes without saying, but I think if Air Force wants to pull an upset in this game, they're going to have to hit the home run pass at some point. And, yeah. you know, Worthman obviously has a lot of skills, but as a passer, he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start this year. You know, he's, you know, he only has 19 attempts, but he has five sacks in those dropbacks. And, you know, if you look at football study hall, his sack rate is 20%. Obviously, that number is going to go down at some point. But, you know, if they are in a position where they can catch the Aztecs defense by surprise, the same way that they did with the the 64-yard touchdown to Ronald Cleveland last week, Worthman's going to have to show he can hit that pass because they're not going to get many of those chances where they, you know, get the Aztecs defense on their heels. So, I mean, that's probably the most unpredictable X factor. I think, you know, you can watch, you know, the the war along the trenches and see who's winning that battle. You're really not going to see that home run throw coming until it happens. And then, you know, when it happens, is he going to have the same kind of accuracy that he had last year? We'll find out, I guess. Mm-hmm. One note I want to say about quarterback stuff and keep wrap this up really quick. So I'm reading from the uh, Brent Brigman. We need to have him on the podcast. Do you know why? Because he's a good reporter. There's that. And he also tags us in every tweet he does with the photo. That's right. To let, us, to let us be aware of his articles he writes. And so I appreciate that. So we'll have him on. But he just went some kind of some news and notes, the final one last little bit about the Michigan game. So apparently some reporters, not him, are trying to contrive a quarterback competition or battle between Nate Romine and Aaron Worthman. Apparently he said somebody from the Denver Post came down to practice, which means if you call it the paper by name, that means they're not always that down at practice for Air Force. Cause that, that's what I take from that. And they just mentioned, he, the guy makes a good, whoever it was, guy or gal, made a good point. Question came back, if Romine's skill set is better suited for a quick strike offense and comeback, 
why didn't Air Force go to him sooner when they're down, just despite him getting the ball when they're down nine and uh, six ten remaining, and they just mentioned say at one point running their off normal offense, rolling down two scores. And it's just kind of deflecting, but it. I get their point, but Worthman is the guy no matter what. I would say I don't see why any reason Romine would come in because while Worthman took over for Romine because of was the injury last year, Worthman's I think the better player to move the offense down the field for what Air Force normally wants to do in running the ball. I definitely think so too. All right, I just wanted to bring it up. So, what's your prediction of this game? Are the Aztecs going to uh, be four and I think they're probably going to get a really good fight, but. You know, and I fully expect both of these defenses to flex a little bit. But, you know, if you look at San Diego State, you see that they have the best player on the field. So, oh, yeah, the guy, Richard Penny, we haven't even mentioned him. We haven't even mentioned him at all. And I mean, (laughs) and and actually, before I get my prediction, I just want to mention one last thing. You know, obviously, San Diego State's defense has looked really good in the first three games. They're sixth in havoc rate, which is, you know, for those of you who need a refresher. Just number of plays with tackle for loss, forced fumble, pass defense. You know, Air Force is no slouch in that category either. You know, they rank just outside the top 30 in Havoc, right, as a team. But I don't think Rashad Penny is the kind of player who can be fully contained. And I think that ultimately will be the difference in this game. That You'll probably get a steady game from Christian Chapman. You'll probably get a pretty good game from Arian Worthman. But I do think that the Aztecs will survive this one. I'm going to call it, you know, 24-20. Do you think there's any letdown for San Diego State after beating uh, Stanford? I don't think so. Because I I think both teams might, you know, take a little bit of time to feel each other out. And I think both teams are definitely going to land some haymakers at some point in this matchup. But I do think the Aztecs are good enough to survive. I think, though, I think the Aztecs will win as well. I'll go... I don't know. I like the Air Force defense, but part of it for me is that Michigan offense is just so terrible. They're not good at all. I Obviously, I think Aztecs are a better offense. I'm going to go 31-14 San Diego State. Oh, wow. Okay. I just don't think it's that's the offense, I think, for San Diego State. Air Force, while I think their defense is much better, they did good things, I think Aztecs will are just better than Michigan and can move the ball. And maybe uh, – Whoever it's back there returning kicks will get something done too. Short fields perhaps. Because special teams was an issue punting for Air Force against Michigan. So if there's a bad punt, and whether it's Penny or Juwan Washington back there, there could be some special team stuff that goes Aztec's way. All right. All right, next game. Can there be a spread high enough you would take Nevada against Washington State on the road in Pullman? What is it right now? 28. I would probably take that. Really? You would take 28 points yeah. for Nevada? Yeah, why not? I don't know, man. Um, what? So what did David Cornwell do to uh, piss off Jay Norvell? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he... Did you... <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was... <laughs> no, I can't... I lost the joke in my head. It was there and it was gone. Sorry. Sorry. Did you know, I think there's three of them, maybe four. All three Alabama backup quarterbacks who transferred are not starting for their team. This is why I always say, take every graduate transfer quarterback with a grain of salt. You're right on, Zach Klein. Remember how that worked out, right? Well, I could have told I told everybody that. Nobody, <laughs> nobody listened. So did I. That was like his fifth school. Come on, really? He went to Cal twice. What does that tell you? Uh, I would say, 
I was I was hoping this one would be different because Cornwell is actually named the starter heading into uh, fall camp. But they're going with the uh, Grand. Is it what we call him? Grand Cayman? Is that where we're gonna go with? Uh, Cayman Curtain? Curaton? St- still a still a great nickname. <sighs> it is. You're in Nevada. The the Grand Canyon is right nearby. Well, I guess closer to Vegas than Reno, but they're 0-3. Washington State's really good. Well, yeah, really good. I <laughs> let me tell you right now, I'm not taking the points. I would take Washington State to cover by a mile. Washington State's defense, they're not. They did pretty good with Boise State when I watched them, but I don't see how Nevada moves the ball enough to score points if they're going with their true freshman quarterback and starting the youth experience right away just to get minutes logged for this team for hopefully that year two or year three of Norvell gets better. I mean, I think what might help them kind of, I don't think they're going to win the game, but I think what could definitely help their upset bid is trying to lean on the running game as much as possible. Yes, I know it's an air raid offense. Yes, I know they want to be pass first. And it's worth noting that, you know, for as rough as, you know, Kiriton was in the first half of that game against Idaho State, he did come out and play better in the second half. So you can hang your hat on that a little bit. But also the fact that Jackson Kincaid and Kelton Moore haven't been that bad so far. And if I'm if I'm looking at one number that stands out to me, Nevada's eighth right now in stuff rate, which means that they aren't getting tackled behind the line very often. And you know, if Curriton struggles to you know move the chains off the bat, you know, it might behoove Norvell to kind of lean on that one two punch that's emerging a little bit. Because, you know, you've got two guys who have combined for about 400 yards so far. They're averaging over five yards a carry. And it's not like Washington State has a really good lights-out defense. Like, you know, by a lot of metrics, they're kind of middle of the pack. <laughs> so, if they can, so if they can give Curitan easy passes, if they can, you know, set him up with third and short or second and short or something like that, if they can put Kincaid and Moore in situations to succeed, that might be the recipe for allowing them to hang around for a little while. Do you know who the four-string quarterback is for Nevada? I do not. Neither do I, but apparently Chris Murray got emails and tweets about playing the fourth quarterback. Oh, no. Or playing all four quarterbacks. However, I didn't even know there was a fourth quarterback. I just know Ty Gagey, Cornwell, and Grant Kamen. That's all I heard. However, did you see his tweet about um, he got an email? Um, oh, shoot. Let me find it here. It's basically an email from a parent or the mother of one of the quarterbacks attempting to stay anonymous through the email, yet her email was like first name, last name, at whatever. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> if you're going to do that, make up a fake email. Come on. How? They're not, very, not being covert with that move. But, I mean, I think on the flip side, you know, for as much as Nevada can lean on its running game, you know, the biggest mismatch of the weekend, I think, is has got to be Washington State's Luke Falk against the secondary. Oh, boy. Yeah, because you're you're looking at a guy who has nine touchdowns against one interception so far, and he's completing 77% of his passes. I mean, he's... I mean, we already knew he was legit, but when you're going up against a passing defense that is, you know, it hasn't been like Hawaii bad, but it's still been pretty rough. And 
I think that you know when you consider the quarterback play that they've had to play against, yeah, you know Logan Woodside's not a slouch, and you know the guy from Northwestern whose name escapes me right now, but they gave up over seventy percent completions to both of those guys. Oh boy! So when, is it possible? I'm mean, asking. I'm I'm not a math guy, but can Luke Falk get over one hundred percent completion rate against his defense? I'm pretty sure that's mathematically impossible. <laughs> What if I include running yards somehow or running attempts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the secondary, you know, kind of working its way into this new system has just not really worked out for them so far. You know, they haven't forced nearly enough turnovers. I think Elijah Moody's the only one that has an interception so far. You know, they're okay as far as pass breakups when compared to the rest of the conference. But if they can't put the offense into advantage, the advantageous situations by creating turnovers you know let's not forget this is an offense too that has shown a propensity for giving the ball away too like they're i believe they're minus five on the year and they're not very good yeah i mean i don't want to say it's like a foregone conclusion because there is a path to victory here it's just a very unlikely one i see zero path to victory i'm sorry the I think I put my power rankings. I think I have Nevada dead last. Well, yeah. I mean, when you lose to Idaho State, it's kind of hard to argue otherwise. It's not just that. You lose to Idaho State, who was just trashed by Utah State the week before. Yeah. Yeah, I put really quick our power rankings. I'm looking at those really quick. Somehow Boise was not unanimous, so shame on the two people who voted for Boise State number one. Or, I mean, San Diego State's not unanimous. And then it's basically, uh, who did you vote for? Did you submit your rankings yet matt i did okay i don't have the timestamp. um did you put nevada last uh i'm trying to remember off the top of my head i cannot recall i see hijacking in our poll already because somebody put colorado state 12th we say you can do that if you contribute to our patreon you can hijack but here are the 12th place votes really quick over over half say uh nevada which what seven you got one fresno one csu two unlv to San Jose State. No Utah State? I'm kind of surprised about that. People still like the Aggies, apparently. We'll get to them in a minute. Well, somebody put Utah State 5. He sh- I don't know, whatever. Okay, so um, what's your final score in this game? Because you've gone, you've gone through a lot of – you brought all the facts for this particular game compared to what I did this this one time around. I just don't see uh, Grand Cayman moving the ball all that well, maybe a little bit. Because Washington can allow some points, I think Nevada might be able to. This might be one of the better offensive games, but it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go fifty to twenty for Washington State. I think it's going to be a backdoor cover, but I think it'll be something like Washington State forty-five to twenty-one. Well, let's just hope Mike Leach doesn't pull a James Franklin in for a ice kicker when it's a forty-point victory or something. That was mean. We don't have a fourth cute, a fourth field goal block unit. Who cares? It's your fourth unit in the game. Ugh, that was ridiculous. All right, next game. Um, if we go in order here, um, I guess we kind of missed one. Might since I have Utah State as a marked team here. Utah State at San Jose State conference game. Is this going to be the only conference victory for either team? Whoever wins. Ooh, that's a dark thought. <laughs> Just saying. I mean, it's kind of within the realm of possibility, though. Like we talked last week about how Matt Wells might already be coaching for his job. You know, it, he definitely he, no no he is coaching first job sorry he is yeah and I mean if he loses to San Jose State you know 
we know that the the Spartans have some pieces. It's just that they haven't been totally consistent so far. You know, we know they have pretty good wide receivers, but we don't really know what the latest is with Montel Aaron as of yet, unless I'm mistaken. I checked when I did my quarterback rankings yesterday. Uh, Brett Brenneman said he's not basically coaches with new think, thinking they have national secrets to um, keep from the other opposing team were not giving an update on the injury. However, I don't think he practiced. And if you look at the game, at the Utah game, on okay, if you're ever on crutches, not a good sign. If you're out of uniform, it's not a good sign. If your knee is wrapped in ice, it's not a good sign. He had all three after that game or during that game. Okay, so to answer my own question, Josh Love is listed atop the depth chart right now. And Sam Allen There's, is listed as the backup. Okay, there you go. I guess they're honest in some way or another. I was just recalling what I read last night, but are you surprised it's not Allen over um, uh, Josh Allen? Or- Sorry, um, Josh Love? A little bit. If only because, you know, and granted, maybe it's just because of the fact that Love was facing a lot of tough competition. But he didn't really look all that great when he started in the opener against South Florida. And he didn't really do much of anything to, you know, look like he deserved to seize the job. So it is a little bit interesting that they didn't choose to go to Sam Allen instead. But, you know, this is a Utah State defense that just gave up over 600 yards of total offense to Wake Forest. So, Oh, boy. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not going to question the move too much. This might just be, you know, Josh Love's best shot against a beatable team to show what he can do. Yeah, I would say with Love, he's between him and um, – sorry. Um, yeah, Mont- Montel there. Aaron, not Allen, sorry. Montel was getting in the end zone. Josh Love was mm-hmm. not. He had the one touchdown versus Utah where it made it somewhat interesting at the late of the f- end of the first half where it was a field goal interception for San Jose State, and then off the interception, he scored a touchdown. That was about it. He hasn't moved the ball all that well and, get, and not getting in the end zone. And well, Utah State has like guys like Jalen Davis in secondary. They got pummeled by Wake Forest. They got pummeled by Idaho State. They're just not a... Overall, Utah State's not a good team, and who knows if uh, how much is, is Kent Myers going to play? Is he going to start? Because we know um, Coach Wells is pretty loyal to his quarterbacks, which is kind of why Chucky Keaton was still starting when he probably shouldn't have. Because uh, Kent Myers didn't look good. It's going to be like starting right now. It's Kent Myers behind Jordan Love, who's number two. But this is going to be a game that where Myers got to show up, and also the running game because Lawan Hunt's the starter. Now that uh, Tony Lindsay's out for the year, maybe we'll see El Toro Allen get some carries. But either way, I'd expect this game to be the best offensive game for either team. So with that in mind, like who do you think it's a better opportunity for? Well, Spartans are a one-point favorite at home. Take that, whatever it is. Honestly, I, I think San Jose State might be the better team here. Because it just I don't know. Because here's the thing: you see what Kent Myers did against Utah State. Mm-hmm. They cr- they creamed them, moved the ball at will. But here here's the thing: they played Wisconsin, who's really good, and Wake's better than I gave them credit for. They've only scored 20 points in, in non FCS games. That's not good. They'll score more points in the San Jose State in that. But here's the thing: I don't trust the running game for Utah State one bit. The offensive line's awful. It's going to be if they're going to win. It's going to be because Kent Myers has a big game passing. 
And San Jose State has a decent secondary of like Andrew Sostry back there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be – it's hard to take too much from the numbers just because of the caliber of opponents that these both of these two teams have been playing. For sure. But if you don't trust Utah State's running attack, I think it has to be said that at least through three games, and granted against very good competition, that San Jose State's run, deep, run offense has been even worse. And I want to see if – you know, someone can step up and seize that job, you know, because the guys I think we expected to, you know, be on top of the heap in the beginning of the year, you know, Malik Roberson's not even averaging three yards carry so far through three games. He hasn't gotten it done. You know, Zamor Ziggler has been okay, but he hasn't been nearly consistent enough. And then Dijon Packer had some moments, I believe last week against Texas where he looked like he might get an opportunity, you know, one of those guys I think is going to have to step up and give Love a little bit of help. But even beyond that, Love is also going to have to be able to take better care of the football. Because, you know, in his limited action, he's already thrown three interceptions and lost two of three fumbles. Granted, Utah State hasn't been great at forcing turnovers so far, but, you know, you don't want to give the ball away, especially against a beatable team like the Aggies. So who's going to run the ball better? Because it's both rushing offenses are not very good. And we know San Jose State's rush defense is pretty terrible. Who's going to run the ball better? <laughs> who's going to have more rushing yard, non-quarterback rushing yards? That's a really difficult question to answer. I mean, if I had to pick one, I think that I would probably trust San Jose State a little bit more. Wow. Really? Why? I mean, just... How would you... I mean, did you see that Wake Forest game last week? It looked like the front seven was getting blown off the ball nearly (laughs) all the time. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Um, I would go agree with you you because uh, whatever you think of Tony Lindsay, who is one of the starters or top two on the depth chart, he's gone. So I guess San Jose State will have more rushing yards than Utah State. I mean, I think... Not include not including Kent Myers yardage, whatever that may be. And I think that, you know, San Jose State also has a guy like Frank Ginda who, you know, yes, even though San Jose State's been getting pounded in non conference play so far, he's been playing really well. Like he leads the team in tackles. I believe he actually leads the nation in tackles, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he has four and a half tackles for loss, which by the way, doesn't even lead the team because William Osai has six and a half tackles for loss. They have a pair of they have yeah, a get, pair of pretty good linebackers that Utah State's going to have to account for, and I don't know that they've shown the ability to do so. Yeah, real quick, Ginda not only leads the nation in tackles, but also tackles per game at fourteen and a quarter. Yeah, so there you go. Number two, you'll never get who number two is. You'll never guess. Uh, no, probably not. Do you know who Bailey Laulagi is? Oh, he's the uh, UNLV linebacker. <laughs> 13 tackles per game. Very interesting. And to keep him out in West in the top five, number four, Lighten Evander Esch, 12 tackles per game, top four. Very nice. Boom. So who, who do you take into this one? Who do you got? I'm going to take San Jose State. <sighs> Same here. I got to go to Spartans. Is it Spartan, Sparty up or what do we call Spartan up? Is that what they're calling these days? La- or is that Michigan, Michigan State? Last <laughs> I checked, their hashtag was just let's go. 
Let's go Spartans. <laughs> Let's go. Um, I'm going to say San Jose State 24, Utah State 20. I'm going to say 17 to 14. That's fair. <laughs> 17 to 14. Okay. All right. What are we, where do we go next year? Is it Tulsa, UNLV or Tulsa, New Mexico? Yeah. UNLV's off this week. Sorry. Um, do you know the line? Have you looked at the line on this game yet? I imagine it's probably Tulsa by a lot. You're correct on Tulsa. The lot, the lot part comes into question at nine and a half. Wow. That that's not a, that's not a lot. That is not a lot. I, what were you thinking? 14, 16? Because it's in Tulsa as well. It's a road game for the Lobos. I was thinking probably somewhere around thirteen. Yeah. I was super excited for wasn't it they play like two years ago and I thought this game would be great and Tulsa just ran them off the field. Yes. Is that gonna be are they actually gonna run the Lobos off the field this game? That is a very interesting question because for as great as they've looked running the football, you know, like I saw them play last year, you know, against Fresno State and you know, Dane mm-hmm. Evans was like the guy, but you could also see that, you know, they had a guy like D'Angelo Brewer who was, you know, basically pounding the rock at will in the second half of that game. You know, he is their number one dude, and he's had a pretty strong start to the year. You know, he's got 447 yards. He's averaging about four and a half yards per carry. He has four touchdowns. They have four guys who have four touchdowns on the ground so far. But... Did you see the box score of that Toledo game last week? Was it 47-43? It was 54-51. Oh, 54-51. That's that's over 100 points if my math is correct. Yeah, and you know, they got um, you know, everybody a lot of people are going to get blown up by Oklahoma State this year. They allowed 59 points to Oklahoma State. They allowed 42 to Louisiana Lafayette. And are they any good? Probably not. They might be they might be okay, but you know, put it in the appropriate context. This is an okay Sunbelt team. And then they gave up forty or rather fifty-four to Toledo. You know, in the same way that we talked about Josh Allen getting him on track against the Hawaii secondary. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second, hold on. Okay. I went to I went to Sunbelt standings real quick. Also, beware it's Louisiana, not Louisiana Lafayette. It's Louisiana so it's Lafayette, whatever. They can they can I, come out. I agree. <laughs> It's like the uh, Nevada. I put in uh, UNR instead of Nevada. I'm like, come on, whatever. I d- this just popped out to me. Points four, they lead the Sun Belt in points scored. A- points scored for them at 114. Points allowed 159. No other Sun Belt team has given up triple digits this year. And in the country, you have only uh, six, seven, eight, not barely a dozen teams give up over 100 points so far in the year and they've clearly given up the uh, most points if i'm if i'm looking correctly at 159 so what happened what's up with tulsa's defense if that's the case well last week it was that logan woodside ate them alive 22 of 33 458 yards he was averaging 13 yards an attempt that's crazy and as a team, they were averaging almost a first down every single play. So, so wait, are we, is this the actual national introduction on ESPN three of the throwbows? I mean, if, I mean, if that's something they want to do, this is probably a really good time to try and do it because you know, for as good as the offense has looked, and, and make no mistake, Tulsa's going to get points against this defense. 
Oh yeah. But they might, you know, allow nearly as many. And you know, for a New Mexico running game that's looked, dare I say, sluggish so far. You know, if if a guy like Tyrone Owens is going to get back on track at any point, and now is a really good time to do it. Um. So you're. I see. We're going to take the over. Uh, that is sixty-seven in this game. I would absolutely take the over in this game. <laughs> take the over. Hey, if you want to get to Tulsa, it's only eight dollar tickets. Just saying. So, not bad. Um. So, Lobos, real quick, injury front. They last week, um, Lamar Jordan. Got knocked out of the game. They also had a. They were missing their other quarterback, uh, Teveka Toyota. Toyota, excuse me. Right now, they're both on the depth chart. Jordan's listed as a starter. I would expect both to play in this game. Would you say that? I think that's fair. Probably. I mean, I think if you know if they want Toyota to be a passer, you know, one thing worth pointing out: Tulsa. You know, not only are they were they giving up nearly a first down. A, it's Tulsa per play, but you, but if you look at the more advanced stats, you know passing down success rate on defense, dead last in the country. They give up a first pa- first down per pass attempt. Man, you're right, eleven point six. Okay, so okay, just as a whole, they are dead last in the country. They give up nine point three nine yards per play. Per play, per play, not pass. Per play, offensively. Do you want to know what the Do you want to know what the next lowest figure is? What seven point eight six? Who's that? That is East Carolina. They give up more than a yard and a half per oh, play. East Carolina is so bad. They're so terrible. They give up a yard and a half more per play than the next to last team in the FBS as far as yards per play. That is ridiculous. They give up 638 yards per game. East Carolina and Tulsa, if they played each other, that would be magical. Because, just, sorry to go off topic here, but yards per game, they both give up over 630 yards per game. <laughs> oh, they don't play each other. That would have been amazing to watch. <laughs> oh, they're in the same conference, too. They're the American. Dang it. I just, I didn't even think about that with all the realignment fun stuff. I mean, and we, you know, we, we, we question sometimes New Mexico's defense, but... You know, I think in this game especially, they're going to have to figure out how to make stops in the running game, which is something that they haven't. Yeah, you know, they they did a little bit of that against Boise State last week. I think they did an okay job holding Wolpin and you know Madison in check. Whoa, whoa, you're not giving them credit, man. They're giving up less than three yards per carry. Yeah, so but I mean, this is like a whole nother level. Like they, this is a better run sure. attack than they faced you know, so far because, you know, a lot of that had to do with Abilene Christian, which is a pass first team in New Mexico <laughs> state, which is a very obvious pass first team. This I think is probably their first big test because, you know, in the next four weeks, you know, you get a road trip at Tulsa and then you get air force at home and then Colorado state at home. Those are all three very good teams at running the football. So it's going to be it's so, going to be a real crucible for this team because yes they have looked pretty good so far but that was against teams that don't put an emphasis on running the ball. This team does. All right, let's let's say this though because if you take just a Boise game, that's a what 3.8, 3.9. That's still about middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. So it's well above average. So maybe they are a little little bit better than we thought, but this like I said this is going to be their toughest matchup on the ground and in the air. And 
I think Tulsa is going to win like forty to twenty five, something like that. I mean forty. Well, I'll go. I'll go a better score. I'll go forty twenty eight Tulsa. I mean, it's. I think New Mexico is going to get points, but you know, for as fast as Tulsa is, like if you look at pace, even they're second in you know the amount of plays that they run and how fast they run them, and. I think ultimately that's going to pay a price for the New Mexico defense. So I think it'll be close for three quarters, but I do think Tulsa eventually pulls away. So I have it as like 42 to 35. 42, 35. That's pretty close. Yeah. All right. Should we go to the next blowout, potential blowout on the schedule? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Ohio State hosting UNLV. Uh, Can we just complain about JT Barrett? (laughs) Should he not be quarterback or whatever? Is that what Ohio State fans are getting at this season, this week, or every week so far? Are they already doing? Are they already pining for Tate Martell? Yeah, they're they're just not happy with JT Barrett because you lose to oh, just probably one of the best teams in the country in Oklahoma. <laughs> That's all. Uh, no big deal, right? Yeah. So is this the Armani Rogers showcase game? I mean, I think if they want to, I don't know, because I think if they want to pull an upset bid, they have to stay balanced. You know, I think they have to lean on their run game because, you know, with as well as Lexington, Lexington Thomas has played so far, he's probably the best running back in the conference not named Rashad Penny right now. You know, you're talking about a guy who, yeah, he's played Idaho and Howard so far, but nine yards a carry is nothing to shake a stick at. And obviously Ohio State's a different caliber of defense, but I think... You know, you don't necessarily want to put everything on a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first start in an environment like this. I don't think it's going to be easy, though, because, you know, for as as good as UNLV's run game has looked in the early going, you know, you could say the same thing about Ohio State's run defense. I'm trying to look up what they rank so far. Well, here's the thing. Let me talk to you about this. The over-under in this game. 40 and a half. Some people are joking. Can we just get it to 43 so they can have an equally historic upset mm-hmm. if they beat Ohio State? Here's the thing. It's over under 64 and a half, but the line is 40.5. That, how is that possible? They'd say in like uh, 60 to 10 or, or what, 50 to 10? 55, 15, somewhere around there? Jeez. I mean, one thing worth keeping in mind to kind of extend the point I was making earlier. Yes, they did lose to Oklahoma, but they allowed only 2.8 yards per carry to the Sooners. And, you know, in their you know nice rebound win last week against Army, they held Army to 4.4 yards per carry, which, you know, for, you know, they run a similar kind of offense to Air Force and all that. That's a pretty solid figure. So, yeah, I think, you know, if, if I'm UNLV, what I'm looking for is not necessarily explosive plays. I think those are probably going to be few and far between. What I'm hoping for is that they lean on Thomas and Xavier Campbell to put them in reasonable situations. You know, if they can give Armani Rogers, let's say, you know, third and four, third and five situations, I think in this particular case, there's going to be a huge difference between that and if he's forced into third and long situations. I think. But I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if they can, though. That's the thing. That's going to be hard to do. Yeah. And I mean, Obviously, that's probably asking a lot, but you know, if you look at Armani's Rogers' numbers so far, 
Yeah, small sample size. Actually, you know what? It's actually not even worth mentioning because he's only two of ten on third down so far. Um, so let's just say he's going to have to be better if he's forced in a situation where he has to make a play with his arm, especially when they when it comes to moving the chains. It'll be interesting because, like, your running game is accurate what they need to do. But Ohio State, Indiana, point six three yards per play allowed. And that was the first half where Indiana was in the game. He said Oklahoma 2.81 rushing the ball. I don't think the Rebels will have that much success. Three yards to carry max. And like you said, if he's third, 2-10 and ten on third down for Rodgers, yeah, you got Devontae Boyd. You have talent, Kendall Keys. But I don't know if there will be a chance where UNLV can be successful consistently in this game. There will be a few plays here and there they surprise Ohio State because – Army had a 99-yard 99 99-yard 99 drive against uh, the Buckeyes last week. It was a 14-play, something ridiculous. But UNLV, will, there'll be a couple plays, but they don't have enough to beat Ohio State. You lost, Okay, you lost to Howard, yeah. You played well versus Idaho State, but this is just another step up in competition. Maybe Ohio State sleepwalks doesn't care for part of it, but I think it's going to be like 45-10 for Ohio State. They're just going to roll. Yeah, I mean, I see it being kind of similar to the um, to the Fresno State Alabama game from a couple weeks ago, because I think eventually Ohio State's going to let off the gas. You know, I think you know we know UNLV is going to be able to run the football, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be enough in this particular case. So I don't necessarily want to ape the same score you said. So I'm going to say four. I'm going to say I'm going to say forty-two to ten. Okay, I just I think there'll be a lot of points early, and yeah, I I still think UNLV may have a couple of big plays here and there, but not yeah. enough. All right, ready to go back in time to Friday night. Let's do it. So we'll maybe we'll make a note to if you want the Boise game, you'll put this up. You'll listen to it at the end, or maybe I'll actually fulfill my promise and say I'll break out every game this week. But we'll see because it's late and. You get what you get, right? Exactly. <laughs> Virginia at Boise State, 13-point favorite for the Broncos at home. It's a nice uh, early evening game. Here's the thing. It's on ESPN2. There'll be shots of this game of, oh, where's the people in the stand? You'll see all the people. Oh, we're working. We're doing this. You can't have it both ways, folks. You can't have an 8.30 kickoff and complain about it being late or kickoff in the afternoon versus Troy or early evening versus, versus Virginia at home and not come to your stadium. What do they? What do you want? What's the ideal to come to your stadium? Do you want Oregon to come for a one thirty kickoff? Texas to come to town? What's it going to take? <laughs> yeah, wasn't there like weren't there some Boise fans who were mad at someone in Boise about like trying to start a campaign to fill the stands for some reason? I think I missed something uh, in that whole situation. I I'm not sure. Was somebody donating tickets or something? I think it was. I honestly don't remember. It was just a little weird. Yeah, I don't remember. But it's like my point, like not to harp too much, but you guys complain about Boise fans complain about late kicks, but then you don't show up for opening day versus a good Troy team or nobody shows up because you're playing an early, not early, but a, I guess early evening. But here's the thing. You play Virginia. They're 2-1. Bronco Mendenhall is sort of getting better a little bit with this team. They beat William and Mary. They lost to Indiana. They beat UConn, which it's UConn. Who cares? <laughs> Daniel Connolly might care. Let's not. Daniel, if you're listening, you know we kid. But still, come on. You almost lost to Holy Cross. That's true. Here's the thing. Virginia finally has a – they actually have a pretty good quarterback. And they run the ball okay. Like they have Kurt ben- Benkert, 
He only has one pick, seven touchdowns, uh, pretty good stuff, two-thirds completion rate, 1,000 yards just about in a couple games. That's going to be a pretty good matchup against this Boise defense, who they've already played Washington State, so it's not going to be like too unfamiliar about what's going on in the passing game. It won't be as potent, but Washington State moved the ball reasonably well, and this I think that's how Virginia, if they're going to win, it's because they're going to do it through the air. Yeah, but, you know, let's not overlook how good Boise State's secondary has been so far. Yeah, I know they got Tyler Horton and stuff. I'm just saying if they're going to, that's their strength. They're going to go to it. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would definitely agree because <laughs> if you look at the numbers, they can't run the ball at all. Nope. You know, you're you're talking about their leading rusher, Jordan Ellis, only has you know about four yards to carry. And the Boise State front seven... You just mentioned Leighton Vanderash. You know he's been very good so far. Tyson Maeva, if he's healthy, mm-hmm. he's been really good so far. But you know if they can shut down the running game, you've got guys back there, even beyond Tyler Horton, who are having really good years so far. I don't know that we're talking enough about DeAndre Pierce and the job that he's done opposite of Horton. Um, you know Reed Harrison Ducross also playing really well so far, and Kakoa Nawahini, who is you know couple tackles for loss you know has an interception they have guys you know young guys especially who can do a little bit of everything so if they can take care of the run game like i think they can benkert probably hasn't faced a secondary like this and when you consider the you know how his his stats broke down yeah he played well against holy cross and yeah he played well against Utah. but did you see the stat line that he had against indiana what was it? So he completed about 66% or 60% of his passes rather. But he threw the ball 66 times and only ha- and only <laughs> had 259 yards. Do you know what the yards per attempt on that is? Uh 5 3.3.9. Sorry. I was thinking like I can't be that, I was thinking to myself it can't be that low cuz like 60 divided by that's it per attempt. 3.9 yards per attempt in that game. That's not good. So if Boise State can take care of business like they think they can against this running attack, you know, yeah, Bankert's been good, but I think that those numbers are a little bit deceptive. And I think that the defense is definitely good enough to take advantage of them in a way that other defenses haven't so far. You know, it's funny when you read – sorry, I'm just kind of going off on some stuff here. Idaho Statesman. It's always funny when you say they try to give confidence, like, hey, this is a good team we're playing. So – when the Cardinal Cavaliers have the ball, this is from Chad Crepe from the Idaho Statesman. I'll, I'll call him out on this. Tell me if you think this is an accurate statement. Virginia has a solid number one running back in Jordan Ellis, 218 yards. Three games, might I add you. However, the way the Cavaliers operated thus far is to rely on the passing attack. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're 3.6 yards per carry or 98th nationally. You cannot be a solid number one running back and be bottom quarter in the country and running the ball. It's one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you got to call bad bad, man. That's all you got to do. <laughs> I know. It's like it's 218 yards. That's what, 70 per game? And they played William & Mary? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm just, it's like, come on, be better. It's okay to say opponents bad. Who cares if they're from the ACC or whatever conference? They're a big time conference. Okay, so on the doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So on the flip <laughs> side, it, it may kind of lead maybe to our next question, kind of 
looking at the Boise State quarterback situation now. Because our, our lone question of the evening comes from Dayton Robeson, and he wants to know how much we think we'll see Brett Rippon this week, especially when you consider that there is a bye coming for the Broncos next week. He's technically listed number one in the depth chart, but I'm not trusting that because he's number one last week as well. So I'm thinking they're pulling a Utah State from a couple years ago and never changing it. And he has practiced this week, which is a big deal. So we they haven't officially said he's had a concussion, but he's had a concussion. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing about it. And he, I'm trying to see when he, he practiced this week. I'm trying to see how much he practiced, if I could find it here really quick. But I would ex- fully expect Cozart to get the start and be the quarterback this game because, A, you're better than Virginia. And like you said, the other half is that they're on a bye next week. Why put him out there if something's going to happen to prolong him being injured because Rippon is your best quarterback and your best option to win. But they can win this game without putting him in. I, he'll be suited up, but he will not be starting. And I don't even think he'll play. Well, I mean, if you look at what you know, BJ Raines said about the the issue earlier today, um, today being Wednesday, he did say that Brett Rippon has been cleared to play. And so I think that if that's the case, you know, yeah, Har- Brian Harson can play gamesmanship all he wants, but I think if he's a hundred percent, he's going to play regardless of whether there's a buy or not, because okay. as you said, he is the team's best quarterback. I must, okay, I must have missed. Sorry, I missed that part about him being cleared. I have to be practiced. Mm-hmm. So if he's um, if he's been cleared, he'll okay. Okay, in that case, thank you for bringing that up. Because if we miss that part, like you guys are dummies, you don't know anything. However, Kozart's going to play more than I think he should play in this game. <laughs> but Rippin will be in there to get going, and maybe maybe I'll make this prediction: if they get out to a decent lead, like seventeen or more points. I'm wondering if they may just let Cozart right out the game, maybe as a sort of a precautionary thing. But, again, if he's cleared to play, why hold it back? But I will stand by. Cozart will get too many carries, attempts, passes in this game for for my liking. It should be 100% ripping. I don't care. I mean, I think one other thing worth watching in this game is, you know, kind of similar, I think, to what we just talked about with regards to Virginia not having a lot of success running the football. Let's not ignore the fact that Boise State's been a little bit inconsistent in that regard, too. You know, Ryan Wolpen has the most carries on the team so far, but he's only averaging about three yards a carry. Madison's been okay. You know, he's at about 4.7 yards per carry. But, you know, if you look, for instance, at, you know, stuff rate, which, you know, to refresh everybody out there, it's the number of runs that's tackled at or behind the line of scrimmage. Boise State at the moment on offense is 118th in the country. And that's not a figure that you're accustomed to seeing from the Broncos. So while, you know, Virginia's defense isn't necessarily blowing everybody away, you know, you're still looking at a team that's top 40 with regards to rushing success rate on defense. You know, they haven't allowed a lot of explosive plays. Some of that might be due to the competition that they played. But that'll be something to watch. You know, they have the talent, but you know we've talked at length about the, the the questions around this offensive line. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, just how much Boise challenges that narrative of this slow start that they've had running the football in the early going. 
You do know the UVA has a guy named Micah Kaiser who's pretty good. I had not noted that. Preseason All-American. Has uh, five sacks, fumble recovery, a pair of sacks in each of the past two games. Um, Last year he had 134 tackles. They're going to need a running back or somebody to uh, preferably your center or maybe tackle to knock him out of the way to open the lane up. So you got to watch out for him. And one interesting note reading the Idaho Statesman, you might see a guy named – do you know what position Robert Mahone plays? Or Mah- I don't know if it's Mahone or Mahoney. Probably, I'll go Mahone. So we'll say Robert Mahone. Isn't he a fullback? Um, On football study, Hall is listed as a running back. <laughs> He's 5'10", 211, so maybe. <laughs> um, but um, they're speculating that maybe he could see some more carries despite having just three on the year. So they expect to see uh, a bit more – whatever action in this game for whatever reason. And Zach Hillman calls him one of the more physical backs who has good balance, can run through tackles. Maybe it is what they need because the running game has been so poor. Put him in there and see what he can do. Why not give him five five to ten carries in this game? I think that's a possibility. And in particular, particularly if this is a more of a uh, cruising type of game for Boise State. So what's your game prediction? I think it's going to be an interesting game, but ultimately I think Boise State's defense, kind of like it was against Troy, is going to be the difference in this game because I do expect them to shut down Virginia's running game. And, you know, I do expect them to win the turnover battle. And in that, I think that Benkert's probably going to throw a couple of interceptions, which sets the offense up really nicely. So I see it, you know, let's say like a 13-point victory. I'm going to say Boise State 30 Virginia 17. All right, so really quick, um, FPI gives Boise State an 80, 80% chance to win this game. And also really quick, you know how we talked last week about Boston College and some roundabout way of Wake Forest versus Utah State? Mm-hmm. So really quick, UVA, they're only favored in one game the rest of the way, and that's against Boston College. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, folks. Okay, all right. Hey, so – I stand by my assessment. Who cares if you if you beat Boston College? Um, I'm going Utah. I think or not Utah. Sorry, I'm got Aggies on the brain. Boise State is going to win. Um, I will go thirty to ten. All right. Anything else we need to add this week at all? Any other uh, tidbits since we're uh, wrapping up the show here? We're about an hour, so we not ninety minutes, but we did go longer than an hour. I think we're pretty much all set. All right, so check out our stuff. We have bowl projections. We have previews coming up. We have quarterback rankings done by myself. So if you don't like them, don't yell at Matt on Twitter. Don't yell at our basketball guy, Eli. Yell at me on Twitter, (laughs) Jeremy Moss. But check us out, mwcwire.com, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Search all that fun stuff. Hey, subscribe to our show. If you um, retweet our show, we will give you a shout-out on the podcast, which is worth uh, podcast gold. Should we give out five podcast dollars if you retweet our show? That's social capital, people. Podcast dollars actually equals zero dollars, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say some quick uh, disclaimer, but whatever. We'll g- just we'll give you a shout out. Tell share share the show. We want people to listen to the show, whether we sound great or terrible, or if you hate us or love us, just share the show and give us your thought or. You know what it is, Matt. Five stars, right? Yeah, even if you shut the podcast off right now, 
go share the show. Give us five stars. <laughs> Just let us know, and I'll do my best to share each individual one, but uh, for each, uh, not individual one, but individual preview. We'll see how that goes tonight, but that's it. We got Mountain West action. We have conference play going on, and um, that's all we got for tonight. I was going to ramble on, but before I get too crazy and start saying nonsense, that is our show, and as always, yes, we're biased against your team.